0: All across CNY. It's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Let it be. And here we are, rolled along on this Thursday afternoon. Getting to some hoops talk here today. We'll preview uh, Saturday's game, Houston Boston College, with uh, Dania Abrams, former BC star and their color analyst on their radio broadcast coming up in a right around an hour right now. What we'd like to do on the program is talk some uh, ACC. And with that, we bring on fabulous ACC network analyst Luke Hancock. Uh, Luke, uh, welcome in as always. Good to hear from you.
1: Thanks for having me. Excited to chop it up again.
0: Yeah, as always, uh, fun to do. And uh, we we had to get you on. Your Louisville Cardinals have won a game in the league. So off the schneid. And uh, good to see the corner starting to turn maybe down there a little bit.
1: You know, this is the first time I've done a radio hit this year where somebody brings up Louisville to start. And I haven't given a groan of agony. So I'm not saying that, uh, you know, two wins is is any different than three wins, but it it was nice to see those guys, you know, find a way to get a win, to be able to celebrate a little bit in the locker room, to be able to love on Kenny Payne a little bit. You know, I've never been in that situation where you're, you know, two and 19 and it's that level of of brutal for your, your season. But for those guys to get off the mat and compete and find a way to get that win. I was just really happy for those guys. It's not going to make a difference this season. Um, It kind of seems like they're playing to get to the end. But uh, all that being said, they still found a way to get a win at home. And uh, the crowd was actually... Yeah, they were pretty fired up towards the end of that game that those guys were still fighting.
0: Uh, hey, we we spend our weeks talking about a 13 and 10 team, and we we're still covered in angst. So I can't even quite comprehend 2 and 19 and what that's going on down there. And you know, we've talked about this, Luke, a while ago. You know, it's Kenny Payne's first year, um, and you know, a lot of things led to this, but he was put essentially in an impossible situation uh, this year. Like, is there any chance he, he doesn't get a second year, or are they saying, man, this year was so screwed up that, you know, it's kind of, let's forget about it and move on.
1: Yeah, in my eyes, there's no chance they don't give them another opportunity. Um, You know, I think what people forget about, um, you know, nobody makes excuses, right? Nobody feels bad for a program like Louisville. Nobody feels bad for a program like Syracuse. If you won national championships, nobody's going to, you know, feel bad for you when you're suffering. And and this is certainly a down year uh, for the cards. But like you said, KP came into a, a tough situation. Um, he wasn't able to bring in guys off the transfer portal, mostly, not all, but mostly because of the the timing with the IARP ruling. Right. It ended up being, but you know, less than a slap on the wrist. I think they got a five thousand dollar fine and lost a couple recruiting days, kind of thing. So, you know, all of that ends in basically nothing. Besides, you can imagine the negative recruiting when they were trying to get kids off the portal or trying to get commits that Louisville could face the death penalty. And again, that, that wasn't crazy before um, this season started before they got through all that. So, you know, I, I think he did walk into a difficult situation, didn't have time to go out there and build a roster. And then you think about the talent on a team last year that wasn't very good, got dramatically worse. You know, your, your McDonald's all American goes to SMU. Sam Williamson, your you know two guard went to Providence. He had Noah Locke had 26 points the other night and has played well at Florida as well. The Davis brothers at Seton Hall. So the, the better players on your team leave, and and your team gets worse. And um, you know I feel bad for Kenny's start here because I, I like him a lot and I do think he's going to be very good. Um, it's just kind of what he's working with has been has been brutal. So I I, I can't imagine a world where they take a, a former player that won a national championship. They give him the start that they've given him, um, and, and then they fire him, you know, midway through the season, or, or at this point, or even at the end of the season. I, I think that would be a, a horrible look. Um, I think mean, it'd be tough to get the next coach in here. And let's not forget, you know, you you had two Hall of Famers in a row with Denny Crum and Rick Patino and then a whole lot of angst lately. But this is the first black coach that Louisville's had. He you know, he needs a real opportunity and a real chance and I think Lute was gonna give him that.
0: Yeah, and he, he deserves it. You know, setting this yes. season aside, I mean it's a mess, but he's gotta at least get a chance to, you know, have a fair fight at it. And uh Luke Hancock, our guest. Luke uh, you know, that's the bottom of the league right now, and that's unfortunate, but we'll see if it turns around soon. Uh so to the top of the league, you know, the last time we talked, I, I think it was maybe right before Christmas. And we were trying to determine who the best team in the league was, and you know, we, we just kind of looked at each other and blinked a lot because who, who the heck knew <laughs> at the time? Like, is the answer clearly Virginia now, or or do you still have room for others, Clemson or somebody else up there?
1: No, I, I think the answer's starting to become clear. Um, I, I think, although the game coming up, you know, you never know what happens in rivalry games. Uh, this game against Virginia Tech. As beat up as they've been, they started to get healthy with Hunter Couture. The Virginia, Virginia Tech, that's what I grew up on. I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. And so that is going to be an absolute battle in a game Virginia cannot lose. But in my eyes, um, this Virginia team is playing very well on the offensive end, and that's been the difference maker. I think last time we talked, they had hit that five or so game stretch where their shooting numbers just dropped dramatically yeah. in that period. And I think they plan playing Isaac McNeely a little bit more, bringing another shooter out there, a little bit of small ball with more Ben Vanderplass at the four. Caden um, Shedrick's been a little less impactful, but he seems like a guy who's all in on the team and willing to do whatever it takes for them to win. Uh, so he, he seems to embrace that role. But small ball has worked for Virginia. I've been really impressed with them. And I think the way their schedule lines up, as long as they get this next one done, it's not that they're without tough matchups, but I think they're going to continue to chase um, down Clemson. And then their last game is against Louisville. The game before that, they play Clemson, and that will be one of the best matchups of the entire season, I guarantee it.
0: Yeah, that's the only meeting between Virginia and Clemson this year. You're right. It's not until February 28th, so it's still a long yeah. ways off. On this year, and you know the Cavs have won seven in a row, so they're, they're cooking right now. And you know you talk about Virginia Tech this week, and I, I was flipping between that BC Clemson game uh, on Tuesday night. The BC ends up pulling out uh, late, and the Orange play BC next. And the other game on at the time was just a wild nutty game: Virginia Tech and, and Miami. You know, yeah. we, we saw Virginia take over the weekend. They blew out Syracuse. It's like, all right, this team has found its legs. And then Miami's like, hey, don't forget about us. That that Nigel Pat stretch he had, I think it was 17 points in four and a half minutes, something crazy like that. Like, when Miami can yeah. do that, like, they, they can say, all right, you can be the best team if you want, but we can step up and beat anybody.
1: Well, I think Miami and Jim Larenager showed what they're capable of in the uh, going to the elite eight last season and their team is better this year. So I, I'm never going to count him out. I, I played for him for two years at George Mason. Um, he's a big part of, of my development as a player and uh, somebody I have a tremendous amount of respect for. When you line up Nigel Pack next to Isaiah Wong next to Jordan Miller, those guys are elite though. That backcourt there is one of the best in the entire country. And then they got, I mean, maybe one of the best glue pieces and impactful transfers you could have in Norchad Uh Miami's done a great job in the portal these last few years. That team is very good, and I just—they're another one I would not be surprised uh, if they make a great run in the ACC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. Starting to build a little more backcourt depth. My worry with them is in the frontcourt. If uh, Norchad gets in some child trouble, they're a very different team. But. I'm certainly not counting out 17 and 5, 12 and 0 at home. The Miami Hurricanes are are a very good basketball team.
0: Yeah, with Pack and Wong out there, like they can they can put a lot of points on the board in a hurry if they need it. You mentioned Larenega, your old coach uh, before you went uh, to Louisville. I don't remember what game I was watching. It might have been a pregame of a Q's game or, or halftime or something. Luke, you guys had him on the uh, ACC network a few weeks ago. And, you know, I, I thought he was going to bust your balls a little bit, like he had the opportunity, and he, he only told nice stories about you. I, I was a little disappointed in your coach for not, for not, for not uh, coming at you a little bit.
1: He'll probably send me a bill for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I have great memories of George Mason with Coach Al. He's always had such great perspectives. Um, he's just been around a long time, and, and you went over 100 games at three different schools. Uh-huh. You know, you've impacted a lot, a lot of young people. Uh, he's a guy who should be uh, uh, in the Hall of Fame at some point. I know he got the, the nod uh, here recently, but you know, a guy who just means a lot to me is a phenomenal basketball coach. And I, I will say it again, the game they played last year, Sam Wardenberg is a, is a good college basketball player, but he can jump as high as I can. I mean, we, we can barely get over a phone book. And they found a way to beat Auburn, and not just beat him, but beat the brakes off of him in one of the best coaching tactician chess matches I have ever seen um, you think about Walker Kessler and you think about uh, Jabari was a third pick in the draft like long athletic and they went out there and beat him with you know Sam Wardenberg at the five and Jordan Miller at the four yeah. that is scheming that is coaching and I, I just think he is a guy uh, one national coach of the year in 2013 but just hasn't gotten me the, uh, the attention he really deserves and, uh, I, I mean, this team, in my opinion, Miami's right there um, chasing the second spot in the conference, or second-best team, but they can beat anyone, and they can beat anybody in the country, not just the ACC.
0: Yeah, and, uh, heck, the, literally the only thing has not done in his career is win the national championship. He had the Final Four run with uh, Mason Beck. Back in the day, and you know when you got guards like that, we we know that you got guards like that. You can win tournament games. So we'll see how that goes. That's how you win in March. That's right. Uh, absolutely. Luke Hancock is our guest, ACC Network analyst, and uh, go figure. Like I I know it's getting talked about, but not in the way that it was last year for a lot of reasons. Like Duke, Carolina's on Saturday, and it, it somehow arrived with neither team ranked after the you know the insanity of last year's meetings for you know Coach K and the Final Four and the whole thing. What do you make of Duke Carolina this week? It's two teams that are just slightly off of being what we normally think about.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a good way to put it. Um, I, I think that both these teams are right there. They're right on the cusp. Uh, I know North Carolina lost the pit. Um, Duke certainly had their struggles, especially without Jeremy Roach in there. But are we counting these guys out? I mean, for crying out loud, UNC brings four guys back from a team that went on a national championship run or to the game. Uh, and then Duke with all that young talent, and especially with the injuries that they've had, their depth has really improved because guys are getting more and more and more minutes. Um, this is going to be actually better for me you know, as a fan. I get to sit back uh, and watch these games and love on these ACC teams, but I get to sit back watching Joel Berry and Carlos Boozer battle it out with the trash talk. And this game is honestly a little better for me because both these teams really need this win. You know, they, this isn't one where yeah, it's not that big of a deal. They're both ranked, you know, in the top ten. This is a game they really need to get mm-hmm. a W from. So I, I think this one's going to be just lights out, and I love the matchups when you start to break it down piece by piece. Uh, I'm glad both teams are getting healthier.
0: Yeah, both teams 7-4 and four in the league right now. This is not, you know, it's not 9-2 and two versus 11-0 oh, like it might be. In a lot of other years. Uh, all right, Luke, i, I got to ask you about Syracuse. You know, we, we talk about it all day, every day. So, you know, it, it can get a bit myopic when you're this close to it. You, you can't see the forest through the trees. Well, what is your view of the Orange right now?
1: You know, this that's one tough team to figure out. i, I got to be honest with you because they've been so close so many times. And I think you probably see a little bit of that frustration come out in some post-game press conferences for Jim Boeheim. Uh, but you think about the, the losses that they've had, right? Like you've lost in conference, you've lost to Pittsburgh. We know how great that team has been, has been and played. Uh, Jeff Capel's brought them along so far this season. You lost to Virginia. Nobody's, you know, shaking their head at that. Miami, they were 17th in the country. UNC, I talked about how Virginia Tech's gotten healthier. They're a different team than they were when they lost 6-7 in a row there. And Virginia again. You know, they have lost to the top six or seven teams in the conference talent-wise and and how good those teams really are. So I expect them to be able to go on a little run down the stretch here, but it's kind of got to happen, right? they got to find a way to get one of those marquee wins. I'm sure it's been frustrating not being able to close out games late. Um, You know, I'm not going to put it on one individual, but it's really tough when everybody is so focused on Joe Girard and then they pack in the paint on everybody else. Um, you know, he's a, he's a baller. He's put up great stats through his entire career. Uh, but if they could get Judah Mintz just being a little bit more efficient, maybe knock down a couple shots. I know Taylor's been in there a bunch lately, getting more and more minutes. And then if the, when I played against Syracuse, the threes and fours were so impactful on that defensive end. They were rim protectors. They, they just took up so much space. And on the other end, they were three-point flamethrowers, guys like James Sutherland and, and C.J. Fair. And these guys, whether it's Malik or Chris Bell, they have to be more impactful. And you can tell, you know, I, I don't knock any of these kids that need to take a break. I know how tough it is during the, the college season, but Ben Beheim was expecting Benny Williams to take a huge jump this year and, and be that guy. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't come to fruition just yet.
0: Uh, no, it, it has not happened this year. And you know, we, we've talked about the Benny situation ad nauseum this week. He was back at practice uh, yesterday. We'll see how that plays out um, this weekend. I, I fully expect him to play in the game at BC Saturday, but uh, we shall see. Again, who knows, Luke? You know how how tough it is, right? Like when you're expected to make a leap like that and you don't. Like there's a lot on you, isn't there, as a college athlete to to make that next step when when you're you know when you're a big time recruit like Benny was.
1: Oh, certainly. Certainly. You know, I, I've told this, it seems like a million times lately being in Louisville and, and seeing these guys struggle. But, you know, when you play for a Syracuse or a Florida state or a Louisville and you have this down year, you know, it's not like fans are just, Oh, that's okay. We'll get them next season. You know, they, they get on you and, and the pressure builds. I got booed when I started at U of L my junior year at the beginning of the season because I, I had just come off shoulder surgery. Didn't feel quite right yet. I was certainly cleared to play, but I started out, you know, three for 30 or something from three-point line and got booed off the floor. We won a national championship game, championship that year. And so I know how tough it is when you're losing games and you're not performing the way you want to, but, uh, you know, it's a different environment now. The, the fans and the couch coaches are so much closer to these kids with social media. You know, the easy answer is we'll just put your phone down and get away from it. It's a lot easier said than done, and you know I think fans sometimes forget how close they are to people now with uh, with the impact of social media
0: stuff. Uh, all right, Luke. Uh, last thing for you here: we're we're just a little bit more than a month out from the ACC tournament. You know, normally uh, the ACC gets to that tournament. You know, there's six or seven teams that feel good about the NCAA's, and you know what's coming down to maybe the top three teams in the league. Uh, to to win the tournament, and one of them will get it and move on. This year, like, how many teams do you think are legit capable of winning the tournament? Well, I don't think there's anybody that that's going to step away at the top. Like, it, it could go pretty deep uh, in Greensboro this year. Well,
1: man, what a great question. Um, you know, you think about some of the let's just to start at the bottom. Let's start with the dark horses. Like, you know, you think Notre Dame's guys being Six-year guys having PhDs in basketball. You think they want to make a run and send Mike Bray off on the right note? Yeah, I would say absolutely, and I wouldn't be shocked if they really turned it on late. I mentioned Virginia Tech. They're 3-8 in the conference, but they went on a heck of a run last year. Hunter Couture is now healthy, the Everett Case winner from last year. That's a scary team to play in the tournament. Let's talk about Boston College. You know, Quentin Post was out the first 15 games of the season, I feel bad for teams that have to play them this last stretch, February and March, because they are a completely different team. We know what Syracuse does in tournament time. I think their style really fits tournament play because they don't you know, chase you around on the defensive end. They conserve some of that energy. Um, Wake Forest getting snubbed last year. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, Nobody is ever going to count Carolina and Duke out, especially not the guys that will be in those locker rooms. And then those top five or six teams, you're talking Miami's 20th in the country or so. NC State's had huge wins and blew the doors off of Duke and can beat anybody at times. Um, Pittsburgh's played great. Virginia's a top five team in my opinion, and then Clemson's 10 and two in conference. Like there are a ton of teams that have a chance to make a run, and there's still eight or nine that can legitimately win an ACC title. I think. It's going to be awesome to watch the battle of who gets the double buy and then who gets the buy. Uh, those will be extremely coveted positions. If you're ninth in this league, man, you got a, a big time uphill climb.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting uh, to watch that this year. Like it may it may not be a vintage year in the league, but it, it's sure darn an interesting year. I'll tell you that. A lot more
1: depth. You know, yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of people around the country about. You know, uh, is why is the ACC down this year? And I, I keep telling them they're not. You know, just because Louisville and Florida State aren't ranked up there, Syracuse might be struggling a little bit. You know, Duke and Carolina might be off from from typical powerhouse years. That doesn't change that this is a deep league. And I think the fact that you had Clemson and Pitt up at the top, you know, eight games into the conference slate speaks more to the depth of the conference than it does that, hey, they're not very good. Because Virginia can win a national championship. Miami uh, can win a national championship. Duke and North Carolina are that good. And there's several other teams. So I I think this is a great year for the ACC. I think they should get eight or nine teams in. Uh, We'll just see how it plays out late. But uh, it's going to be a fun ride here through February and into March.
0: All right, Luke, my friend, always good to chat with you here. And I'm sure we'll catch up again when we get closer to that uh, tournament time of this year. Uh, Thanks for coming out for a few minutes.
1: Absolutely. Would love to. Take
0: care. That's Luke Hancock, ACC Network. Always good to talk ACC hoops with uh, Luke, who obviously Orange fans know from back in the uh, Big East days at Louisville. With that, we'll take a break. Much more to come after this on KeysportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.